Welcome to the ERMI Podcast. This is Joel Applebaum, Chief Content Officer here at ERMI. And for over 40 years, ERMI has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance risk management professionals like you. In this episode, we bring you a snap talk from our 2021 Emmett J. Vaughn AgriCon titled, Proactively Managing Your Product Recall Risk by Bernie Steve S. Managing Director and Practice Leader of Aon's Commercial Risk Solutions and Crisis Management. In this podcast, Bernie discusses how prevalent product recalls are and the response that impacted companies must be ready to provide. After the snap talk, you'll come away with an understanding of the many tentacles of a product recall response and the importance of being prepared for this event that happens a lot more than you might think. Let's settle in for this roughly 20 minute discussion from Bernie Steve S. First of all, thank you very much to the International Risk Management Institute for allowing me the opportunity to speak with you all uh, and discuss a little bit about product recall risk management. Uh, my name is Bernie Stevis. I am the managing director and practice leader for Aon's crisis management team. Uh, one of the areas that we specialize within that team is product recall. Um, product recall is actually an area where I've rolled up my sleeve and been actively involved in for the last uh, uh, 30 plus years, uh, having spent about 10 years as a uh, underwriter specializing in, in that area. Uh, and more recently, the last 20 years or, or so, uh, special, being a specialized broker for, for product recall uh, insurance. So I'd like to tell you, I'll talk to you a little bit about product recall. And it's one of those risks that you may not think about every day, but certainly is very real. In fact, just over the last few days, we've had recalls involving pizzas, protein shakes, ice cream, uh, beef pasta, pork chop, veal broth, and, and those are just recalls over the last four or five days. Uh, reason for those recalls range from anything from foreign objects uh, in the product, things like glass or, or plastic or, or metal shavings, uh, pathogens, you know, which are the typical things we hear about, right? Salmonella, Listeria, E. coli, uh, chemical contaminations, uh, things like cleaning fluids that may have been left into a system into a, a manufacturing or processing system. And then probably one of the overlooked areas is, is allergens, undeclared allergens. Um, that, that accounts for roughly 50% of all recalls each and every year. Now, the Food and Drug Administration is the main regulatory uh, body that has oversight for uh, food and beverage products. Uh, in 2020, the FDA in fact announced over 7,252 uh, different recalled products. Uh, and that represented over 2,654 actual recall events. So yes, they're real. Yes, they're happening every day. And frankly, we're hearing more and more about them every day as a result of social media um, that, that is really bombarding us constantly with news. So certainly news travels faster and bad news travels even faster than it ever has before. Talk about a little bit, a little bit about some of those, uh, some of those exposures and losses. Um, some of the, some of the things my team has, has directly worked on. We, we've had uh, cheese recalls. Uh, we had a recent one, ten million dollars. Um, this was a, a listeria event. Uh, we, we had a rice recall, um, glass contamination in that. We've had chocolate with salmonella, um, cupcakes, undeclared allergens. We've had cans recalled. Uh, 
you might wonder why cans, what cans has to do with, uh, with, with food products, but frankly, a, a can or a bottle or a jar is just like any other ingredient. Uh, and we've, we've certainly had those recalls as well. Many of these recalls have been multi-million dollar recalls. So yes, the exposures are out there. Uh, regulatory oversight has been increasing over the years. So we are seeing more and more FDA, USDA oversight. In fact, the Food Safety Modernization Act of 2011 gave the FDA considerably more, considerable more teeth in, in their ability to, to regulate product. And in fact, they have now the ability to order recalls. So depending on where you are actually within the supply chain, you may have different, pro different exposures. Uh, certainly people uh, associate uh, product recall exposure primarily with branded products. And yes, they're the brand that's out there. They ultimately can suffer the most damage. However, those brands will be looking to their suppliers um, uh, if, if there is a potential that the fault lies uh, with, with ingredients that have been coming in or, or packaging coming in. So certainly contracts are a big exposure um, for co-packers as well as ingredient suppliers. Um, and retailers also have a unique exposure. So when we're looking at a risk uh, to start with, before we even start talking about insurance or risk transfer, it's, it's really important to take a look at the exposures themselves, right? So the first thing we look at would be the type of product involved. Certainly certain types of products, leafy greens comes to mind, have a susceptibility to, to, to recall that's greater than, than some other products. Uh, then it's also important to examine the contracts you have, the supply contracts or customer contracts that may hold you liable, liable for damages that you cause as a result of a recall or may be silent in that contract, which could be even a more detrimental situation because silence essentially means that you could be ultimately responsible for just about anything, uh, assuming that you were negligent in the situation. So, you know, th those are some of the first things we look at. Another thing we look at is the quality control, quality uh, assurance plans that are in place. Uh, as well as internal and external audits. Uh, those audits could come from regulators like the FDA or the USDA. They could also be coming from um, international uh, uh, audit firms uh, that specialize in, in food products and, and uh, or, or they could also be coming from your customers, frankly. So, you know, it's important that you have proper plans upfront to minimize the potential of a contamination incident. Then we also want to take a look at your traceability plans, right, and your recall plans. How quickly are you able to identify where suspect product is and how quickly can you pull that off the shelf? Obviously, that can have a significant effect on how large or damaging a recall can actually be. Um, supply chain management is also important. How quickly can suppliers be replaced if one supplier has an issue? Uh, that's also going to, you know, certainly have an effect on the business interruption and the long-term damage that you could suffer from a recall. Equally important and probably one of the most important areas is crisis communications, and it's often overlooked, right? So particularly in this age of social media, how are you messaging to your consumers that your product is safe? Once a recall is announced, um, customers are going to stay away from your product until they feel that your product is safe. 
Um, in some situations, if you're seen as having been looking more at your bottom line than the safety of your consumer, um, you know, the, the damage could be great and could even put you out of business. Um, other situations, if you've seen, been seen as being very responsible, affecting the recall very quickly, uh, showing that you care more about your customers than your bottom line, you can even come out of this looking better than when you went into it. Again, that's the pre-incident planning and making sure that you're able to respond uh, should a situation occur. So from an insurance standpoint, probably the first place people look for product recall uh, coverage would be under their liability policy. And you do have some coverage under your liability policy. However, that coverage really ends at the bodily injury or property damage that's been caused. So it's really third-party exposures uh, that a liability policy is going to respond to and not third-party uh, recall or, or, or business interruption losses. In fact, most liability policies will specifically exclude any product recall losses. Now, some carriers will allow you to purchase an endorsement or an extension to a liability policy to provide some uh, coverage for product recall, but generally that's at a fairly small sublimit. There's few companies that do that. Um, and it's generally just the recall expenses themselves, which tend to be more the fixed costs and not the ongoing or the bigger losses that one would see uh, under, under a product recall event. So what do we do at that point? Well, at, at this point, we start looking for specialized insurance, product recall or product contamination insurance. Now, typically we call this product recall uh, insurance um, because as the name implies, that that's really what it's there for. But Really, when we're talking about food and beverage products, what we're really more concerned with is product contamination. And those are the sorts of policies we would put in place for a, pro uh, for a food or beverage product. Now, specifically a product contamination policy, how that differs from a product recall policy is that it's the contamination itself that triggers the coverage or the policy. Product recall is a government covered element or a loss element under those policies but it's actually the contamination that, that, that actually uh, triggers or signals the policy. So, so what kind of contamination events are we talking about? Well, first of all, accidental contamination, that would be the most common type of contamination we'd be looking at. Uh, that's generally an unintentional contamination that occurs during the production, manufacturing, packaging, distribution of the product. But it's important to note that it does require that that the product for the product either has or would cause bodily injury generally within a manifestation period of 365 days or has or would cause property damage. So a similar trigger to what one might see under a liability um, policy in terms of bodily injury or property damage. The second area that these policies cover from a contamination standpoint is deliberate contamination. That's typically referred to as malicious product tampering and is an actual alleged or threatened intentional malicious and wrongful altercation or contamination or creation of adverse publicity implying such uh, so as to render the, the product unfit uh, or dangerous for its intended use. So that is your typical Tylenol type of situation that I, that I mentioned uh, earlier, I believe. Um, and, and really it includes uh, contamination, whether it is from an employee, whether it is from a disgruntled uh, or dissatisfied customer, or whether it's just a threat. So things like product extortion would be covered as a malicious product uh, tampering, because essentially a product extortion 
is a malicious product tampering that has a financial demand attached to it. Now, over the years, particularly over the last 10 years or so, these policies have been broadened to, to account for some of the changes that, that we're all uh, you know, seeing in our everyday life. You know, first of all is adverse publicity. So as we know, just be, uh, you can still have a loss under a, a, a product recall even if the event hasn't happened. So you haven't had an accidental contamination, but there is publicity out there uh, where the public believes that your product has been contamination, contaminated. Again, it does require that there is a potential for bodily injury or that the belief that there is potential for bodily injury in order for that uh, adverse publicity uh, trigger to, to be um, triggered. Another one that we've added uh, from, a, from an extension standpoint and broadening standpoint is government recall. Uh, the Food Safety Modernization Act of 2011 gave the FDA a lot more teeth to order, uh, to order recalls. In fact, they do have the ability to, to order a company to recall products even if they do not necessarily find a contaminated product. So if the FDA has a reasonable um, uh, belief that your product has been contaminated and, and would hurt somebody, they can order a recall and that's where this government recall trigger comes into play. From a covered loss standpoint, uh, we look at basically first party losses and third party losses. First parties being your direct losses, third party being those losses that your customers may suffer that they may come back and look to you to reimburse. So these, po these policies typically will then include coverage for recall expenses. So that's the withdrawal expenses, the logistics, the warehouse, the trucking, uh, the, essentially the cost to notify and pull the products off the shelf. Uh, the replacement costs if the products can't be decontaminated or reused, replacing those products. Uh, business interruption. Business interruption generally continues for anywhere from 12 to 18 uh, months. That is the biggest area of loss that we see. Uh, so it's certainly that, that, that's making you up for a loss of profits um, when consumers or customers are no longer purchasing uh, your product. Uh, and again, that can continue on for 12 to 18 months. Alongside of that is something we call rehabilitation expense, which is essentially extra expense to mitigate that loss of income or that business interruption. So that can be things like additional advertising above and beyond what you would normally plan. These policies can also include extortion costs. So if you were to pay an extortion demand to make a malicious product tampering threat go away, that can be covered under these policies. And then also something that can be included under these policies is third-party recall liability or consequential damages. That's particularly important if you are an ingredient supplier or a co-packer or co-manufacturer. So you may not necessarily have as big of an exposure as your customer, right? So it's the customer or the branded uh, product manufacturer who's going to be doing the recall, but who's going to hold you liable um, for the expenses they incurred if you, in fact, are the reason for the recall. So you've supplied a contaminated um, uh, ingredient uh, that, that's used within that, that, that product. Now, probably one of the most uh, overlooked and most important aspects of these policies are consultant and advisor uh, fees. Now, each of the carriers who provides this coverage um, has a team, either one or, or several different crisis management firms that are available 24-7 to their insureds. So when you get a policy, you get a 24-hour hotline. 
These are not your typical loss adjusters. They actually work directly for you, not the insurance company, but they are there to help you manage this situation. Most companies have not gone through a recall. Um, these these uh, crisis management um, consultants and specialists, uh, this is what they do day in and day out, and they can help you with either the logistics of the recall, the crisis messaging or the crisis communications, the testing, and all those fees and expenses are covered under a policy. Possibly even more important is that underwriters make them available on a pre-incident basis. So before something happens, underwriters will pay for these consultants to work with their insureds to do things like mock recalls, review recall plans, review quality control plans or audit plans uh, for, for incoming ingredients. So again, those fees and expenses um, uh, when a crisis hits the fan are covered under the policy on a pre-incident basis, the carriers make a certain fund available, uh, generally 10% of the premium to offset any work you're doing to prepare for a crisis. So that's my quick 15 minutes on product recall risk management, product recall insurance. Uh, ho hope I gave you all something a little bit to think about. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me um, and, and I'd be happy to have a discussion with you on, on how we might be able to work together or aim you in the right direction for uh, accessing some of these resources. Uh, thank you again to, to IRMI and, uh, and all those who attended. Thank you. I hope you like this podcast. If you want to learn more about product recall, you can go to ermi.com and use your paid subscription content. If you're not a subscriber yet, you can get a free demo of our product or use some of our free resources. Thanks for listening.